We're looking back on 25 years, having just come through as a group, what I'll say is a, a challenge. But we've come through. God has been faithful to us. And certain major events in our lives do call us to look back. Anniversaries cause us to look back. Amen. Illness also causes you to look back. If you're facing a significant illness, you, you start reflecting. You get a little nervous. Death of a loved one. That causes us to look back. Major events, changes in life. All of those things cause us to look back. And so as we kind of look back together today, I thought what I'd do is try to find somewhere in the Bible where someone had to look back. And just kind of use that as a backdrop for us looking back. And we could kind of look at them looking back and they could look at us looking back. And hopefully we can learn something from each other's looking back. Amen. So there are different situations. One I looked at was Israel looking back. Anybody know who Israel was? Jacob, right? His name was Jacob. It's changed to Israel. And in the book of Genesis, toward the end, where he's talking with his son Joseph, he reflects and he looks back on his life. And that was kind of interesting to see Jacob look back, uh, even as he looked forward. But the one that sort of stuck with me was found in the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, we had Israel looking back. Now, I've had some fun in my life. Anybody remember the song? I know some of you young people do. There was a rap song called At the Crossroads. Anybody remember that? Some of y'all remember that song? I remember one time that uh, I was in the ministry. I actually did a rap, rap to that song in the middle of church. I'm not going to do that. I'm much older, and uh, I don't rhyme very well anymore. Plus, my knees hurt. That little bit of dancing you saw, that's all I got now. You know, I used to be able to go, but that, that's about all I have left. But Israel was looking back at their crossroads in the book of Deuteronomy. Anybody know what they were about to do? What were they about to do? They were about to cross the Jordan River. And where were they going? They were going into the promised land. And Deuteronomy literally means a repetition of the law. And so they were actually looking back. And, and thinking about looking back, you know, as you get older, looking back can be increasingly challenging. Because you see victories when you look back, but you also see defeats, and you also see unfinished business. You see the things that you wanted to go a certain way that did not quite yet go the way you wanted. And you have to face some things in your look back. So what I thought we'd do as a backdrop, let's look back at Israel, and then we can talk about us looking back. I'll talk about me looking back, and then we can go eat some food. What do y'all say? Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 1. You have your Bibles with you? Now, just a tip. Whenever you come to church, bring your Bible. It does not have to be an old school, no cover Bible like this one. It could be an electronic Bible, but always bring your Bible. Because what I found over the years when I open the Bible, invariably something good happens. Something good jumps out. So what we're going to do, we're just going to look through the first 10 chapters of Deuteronomy. I've been told I only have three hours to preach this morning, so I want to really make sure we get into it. But we're going to look at the headings and just a couple of scriptures, and we're going to look back with Israel. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan. That is in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel. Skip down to verse 6. 
The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance to the hill country. So Moses is now recanting to them the story of their history. If you jump down to verse uh, 19, you can follow along on the slide here. Let's see if I can get the, uh, oh, look at that. That's so cool. You can follow along here. We're going to look at the spies. Isn't that cool? Let me do that again. Verse 19, then as the Lord our God had commanded, we set out from Horeb. And if you skip down to verse 21, see, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So what's happening here, God told them to set out and get ready to go to the promised land and take possession. And so they sent some spies out. Of course, what happened next is they rebelled against the Lord, down to verse 26, but you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Of course, they did not go into the promised land. If you look at chapter 2, verse 1, God made them wander around in the desert 40 years because they weren't ready to go. So chapter 2, verse 1, then we turned back and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea as the Lord had directed me. And so they wandered around in the desert for 40 years until that entire generation of grown folks died except for two people. Anybody know who those two people were that lived? Caleb and Joshua, right? They were the only two that said, let's go into the promised land. We can take it. Everybody else said, no, we can't do it. So those are the only two people lived. Everybody else died while they wandered around. And so as they were out there, they defeated a couple of kings and took their land. If you look at the headings in chapters 2 and chapter 3, chapter 4 Verse 1, obedience commanded, hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so you may live and you may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do not add what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God I gave you. Great thing about God, he's a God of second chances. So they didn't go the first time, but after that first generation died, they got another shot. And God told him, now you need to obey me. If you look at the next heading, it says no idolatry. Idolatry is forbidding. But then if you go on beyond that, it says the Lord is God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Deuteronomy chapter 5, he gives them the Ten Commandments. Now, I skipped over something. I just thought I'd point this out. If you read through the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses recants this, and this is my own personal interpretation, you get a sense of how really angry and bitter Moses was at the Israelites. Because you know what God told Moses? What did God tell him? You can't go into the promised land, Moses, because you sinned too. And Moses was mad about that. So as he's telling the story several times, he says, and I can't go into the promised land, and it's your fault. (laughs) He lets them know. He reminds them a couple of different times. So chapter 5, we get the Ten Commandments. Chapter 6, we get a great command starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. That means get some little wax and drop it on your kids and press the scripture right in them. Impress it on your children. 
Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God did not want us to forget. Deuteronomy 8.2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart. And then he reminded them, Deuteronomy 9.7. Remember this and never forget how you provoked the Lord your God to anger in the desert. From the day you left Egypt until you arrived here, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How was their look back? It was brutal. (laughs) It was rough. I mean, Moses was not, he was not joking. He was not nice. He told them it was their fault. They were rebellious. They had sinned against God. I mean, he was pretty hard on them. He reminded them that he broke the uh, Ten Commandments. Of course, there they are, because you can't see them real well, but these were the Ten Commandments. Moses, when he got the first set, what did he do with them? He broke them. Grinded up in the powder and did what with the powder? Spread it on the water and made them drink it because they were in sin. How would you like to have Moses for your Bible study leader? <laughs> All right, y'all in sin. We burn in the Bible. We're going to grind it up in powder. We're going to mix some water in. Y'all going to drink it. Because you're in sin. Moses was, he was not playing. Of course, one of my favorite movies, Indiana Jones, The Ark of the Covenant. Moses reminded them about the Ark. So, fair to say, their look back was pretty tough, right? It was pretty tough. How about our look back? How's our look back been so far today? How's our look back compared to theirs? Which one would you rather have? Ours, right? Ours a lot better. Hey, we began in summer 79. There were 50 members, about 10 in the West. Uh, Robin Horton's here. She's the original member of the church. Uh, there she is. Amen. Robin's the original member. Carol Bray is here. Carol Bray's the original member of the L.A. Church. Uh, yes, I was the original member. They had me carry the luggage. Amen. They need somebody, so I was able to do that. But uh, there were 50 of us. We used to meet at the Westwood Holiday Inn. I don't know what that hotel is called. No, I think it's a high-end hotel over there now. Our first contribution, as Carol said in the video, was $1,000. You know, West is one of the oldest ministries in the Los Angeles church. We're one part of a much larger church. Uh, I don't know how many different parts there are now. There used to be 10. There's probably nine or eight. We're always merging and then splitting back up again. (laughs) That's what we do, right? (laughs) But back in the day, there were only three parts. South, Central, and West. And we used to meet in the West. It's one of the oldest parts of the L.A. church. Our official, official, the first official service at Beverly Hills High, 1362 in attendance with 700 guests. That's pretty awesome. We grew to a church with almost 10,000 members. That's pretty cool. We survived two meltdowns. (laughs) Not one meltdown. Two meltdowns. (laughs) And we're still here. Praise the Lord. Amen. What else did we do right? Help me out. What do you guys remember when we look back? I see Dad out there. We saw him on the video. I remember Vietnam. Mike Wiggy's not here. Where did Mike Wiggy go? Mike went to Russia. What else happened here? 
I remember when South Central Masters won the championship, baby. What else happened? Crossing Switchblade. South Central LA, have no fear, the Knights are here. Come on. What else happened? Miracle Mile Ministry. What else happened? Primetime, Malibu. What else happened? LAX. Bruce Matthews was here. Westwood Ministry. A lot of marriages. Marina Ministry. Miracle Mile. That's true. Fox News said, ooh, don't go to that church, y'all. And they showed up anyway. Amen. Guys, Shrine Auditorium. Will Turn Theater. The Rose Bowl. The Forum. How's our look back, guys? How is our look back? Our look back's pretty good, right? Again, you want the Israelites look back? Or you want our look back? <laughs> now, we've been through a little strife, amen? But to the best of my recollection, there was never a period of time where the Lord sent snakes among the church. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so in spite of it all, it hasn't been that bad. And some of our founding members... And the churches look back. Now it gets a little interesting. Now it gets more personal. It's me looking back. You know, it's interesting. When you get a little older, it gets a little harder, you start looking back. And I would say through, the, ironically, through the first meltdown of the church, I was relatively unscathed. This time, my eyebrows are still smoldering. <laughs> When I look back on the church, you know I did just about every job in this church we have. I was an usher, Bible study leader. I worked in Kids Kingdom. I was a founder of the South Central Asian Ministry. My brother Ken Chow adopted me. I'm honorary Asian, Jack. I led a small group. My wife and I founded Chemical Recovery in Los Angeles. I was a ministry leader. I led two regions. I led 800 in the South and 1,200 in South Central. Carol and I got South Central supporting for one day. We were so happy. We oversaw foreign missions. I was a financial advisory committee member. I am one tired BMW black man working. That's what I look back on. Ooh, I'm tired. That was a lot of work. So when I think about it more broadly, helped build an incredible church, led a lot of souls to Christ, have a strong marriage uh, for 30 years with two wonderful kids. I've grown as a man and a human being. I've served and helped many, built character in some young men, survived cancer, struggled through my own spiritual weaknesses, disappointments, and hurts. I'm still there dealing with that. I've had good years overall. I have. I've had good years. But you know, good is the enemy of great. Good you can get happy with. Great you got to work for. I've had good years. That was me. 23-year-old, foolish dreamer, with good knees and a head full of hair. 
Now I'm 55 with bad knees and just, Lord, don't let it recede too quickly. <laughs> Let's look forward now. It's fun to look back. And it's interesting. I'll share some more things when I talk about me looking forward. But we have a lot of great things to look back on on the church. And I want to encourage and inspire you all this morning. Despite all the challenges that we may have faced individually, collectively, guys, we're strong. And we've got a good foundation. You know what inspires me the most about this church? All the incredible young people. We, got incre- we have incredible, when I say young, if you're under 40, it's a relative term. Bridget would say if you're under 50, it's a relative. You know, it's all good. But it's all the great young people we have. We have an incredible incredible church. So Israel looked forward. So it was interesting. First he had them look back. Then he had them look forward. What I find interesting is I go through the list of looking forward. So much of that focused on God. Their look forward didn't focus on them. Some of it did, but a lot of it, it was all about God in their look forward. Chapter 10, verse 12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good? Fear God. Chapter 11, verse 8. Observe Therefore, all the commands I'm giving you today, so you may have the strength to go in and take over the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess, and so that you may live long in the land the Lord swore to your forefathers to give them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. If you scroll through the next 15 chapters of Deuteronomy, he gives them rules to live by. Talks about judges, Passover, the king, prophets, offerings, cities of refuge, various laws, marrying captive women, unsolved murder, witnesses, going to war, marriage violations, excluding people from the assembly, uncleanness, miscellaneous laws, fruits and tithes, following the Lord's commands. Then he sets up an altar on Mount Ebal and pronounces blessings and curses. Now, what's interesting about the next, and I won't read all of the blessings for obedience. How many verses are in the blessings for obedience? Fourteen. How many verses are in the curses for disobedience? (laughs) Too many, right? Why would God do that? Doesn't he want to inspire us? Why would he put... So much more emphasis on disobedience, the curses, as opposed to the blessings for obedience. I think God wanted to let us know God is not playing with us. God is serious about the blessings and also about the cursings. So what I'll do, I'll I'll read just a couple of blessings. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. Your car will be blessed. Your house and condo will be blessed. 
You'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) Verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You'll be cursed in the city, cursed in the country. Your basket and kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your lands will be cursed. The calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You'll be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. Your car's not going to start in the morning and your house is going to fall down. <laughs> and he goes on and on and on. Now, what's interesting about God, there's always a way back. And what God tells him is, you know what, though? I know y'all going to mess up. Anybody messed up out there? You ever mess up? You know, the hard thing when you look back collectively, some people right now are doing really awesome spiritually. So for them, when they look back, it's all good, right? Whereas others of us, we just barely making it to church. (laughs) We just barely getting here. Dragging in, I won't call no names, dragging in at 1045, dragging in at 11, know we should be on time, sitting in the back row. I'm only in the front today because I'm preaching. Next week I'll be back there with the rest of (laughs) y'all. But God always provides a way back. Deuteronomy 30 verse 1. When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come upon you and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations. And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart, with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Even if you've been banished to the most distant lands under heaven, San Francisco. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love San Fran. (laughs) From there, the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your fathers, and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. There's always a way back with God. He he wants us to return home. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. What's that heading say? The offer of life or death. What do you think that's about? That sounds pretty intense. Either we're going to make it or we're not. (laughs) It's an offer. Verse 11. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in the heaven. So you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea. So you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. You know what, brothers and sisters, when we look back or we actually begin to look forward, what we really have to do is look forward through eyes of faith and see God. And that's what that offer is all about. Now, it's interesting. I started looking forward. You know the first emotion I felt? Take a guess. 
Fear. Fear. Why would I be afraid? Because I'm not 23 anymore. I'm not 23. I've lived more years than I have left. That offer of life or death, how much more real do you think it is for me now than it was at 23? It's a little more real now, right? Most of my, you know, I've become the patriarch of my family. You know how that happened? Everybody older than me died. I'm the last man left standing. I didn't plan it that way. I thought my mom was going to live forever. Now I'm the patriarch. I look forward. I felt afraid. And it's interesting because in looking forward, I had to face some things. Somewhere along the way, some of my personal vision got lost. In this last round of what happened, you young people now, y'all close your ears. Don't listen to this, okay? This old man talking. (laughs) Because when you're younger, it's easier to be optimistic, fired up, bright hope for the future, and you should keep that. It's why younger people often change the world. They have zeal, they have fire, they have passion. They're not bitter. They're not cynical. They haven't been beat up. They don't have the level of disappointments. You keep that fire. When you get a little older, you've got to try to get that fire as you work through the realities of the disappointments you felt and the shortcomings you see in your own life. My faith has been insufficient in certain areas to produce the results that I desired. In some areas, it's been great. In other areas, I've been a total pygmy. My dream was seven feet tall. I was about one foot eight. (laughs) Just Just didn't have the faith. And you know what's interesting? I think I have this in here somewhere. Oh, my pride stopped me from getting more help. There are areas in my life I needed more help. But you know what? I'm not getting no help. I'm a black man. We bleed on the inside. I don't need no help from none of y'all. I know, isn't that terrible? But you got to be real. Now, this was me trying to look forward and realizing I was afraid and then started looking back at the things that hadn't gone well. A lot of things went well. Don't get me wrong. A lot of things went well. I was the highest paid taco maker in Los Angeles at one time. I was working for Taco Bell, running 70 or 30 restaurants. You know, I've had a lot of things go really, really well. But when you start looking back, if you're going to be real with yourself, you also start looking at what didn't go the way you wanted it to. The character flaws I face now, man, you ever try to pull up like dandelions or what's that tree that just destroys your water pipes? What's that thing called? Keith knows. What was that tree you pulled up out of your yard, Keith? Ficus trees. The sin in my life right now are like ficus trees. Man, those things are down in there. I'm trying to get those roots out. Those character flaws. Yeah, you know character flaws is a nice word. Those character flaws. Sin. Sin. It's rooted. It's in there. Good thing is I have great skills, experiences, friends, an awesome church. So I'm not starting from scratch. But I had to be serious and, and look at what I was facing. Let's see. I think I got some. There we go. Ah. So I decided to make some decisions. Now, it's interesting. Where's the point in here? 
I think I have it. Ah. Faith should result in power, not in mere words. You know, my first decision was to go with God. Go with God. But faith means you should have power. Power should help you overcome those character flaws, those sins that have stopped you. If you find that there's areas in your life where you've been stopped and you've not matured and grown, your faith has been insufficient to do what you've needed to do in those areas. You know, a line from the movie Malcolm X, and it's just a movie, but the line made me laugh. He's facing the pressure of his life. He's, he knows, you know, he's got death threats. He knows he's about to die. He's on his way to the Apollo Theater where he's ultimately assassinated. And he runs into a Christian lady along the way, and she's trying to encourage him. So she looks at him and says, Jesus will protect you. Now, number one, he's a Muslim. He didn't believe in Jesus. But how hollow does that sound when you're facing a major challenge? Somebody got a nice little religious phrase to kind of help you on out. You know what? When I'm going through my challenges, don't tell me that. You're not helping me. You got to say, okay, Chuck, let's talk about what you're dealing with, and let's help you find some faith and some power, because faith without deeds is dead being alone. So we got to help you get some deeds to support the faith that you need to help you dig your way out of this hole. Are you with me? Now, when I, was, when I was a little younger or a different point in life, you know, we talk about baptism. Remember the chart Steve uh, Staten gave us? The first stage was baptism. The second was enthusiast. The third one was dispirited. And then the fourth one was maturity. <clears throat> I would love to remain in that maturity phase. But invariably, I seem to slide back into dispirited and then back into maturity for a hot second and then back into dispirited. And the last thing a dispirited person wants to hear it's something from an enthusiast with some little simple answer that it's all, Jesus is going to work it all out for you. <laughs> you would do better to take that person to the beach and pray with them. Pray with them. Help them. Say, oh, wait, wait, you're, you're discouraged because your office is a mess? I'm going to come by your house. We're going to clean your office together. Find, find ways to put faith in action to help people realize the power that they need to overcome the demons in their lives. Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's about power. And if the power's been insufficient, we got to get the help. I want to overcome my character weaknesses and my sins. Repent. Go from being good to being great. I need to be more decisive and more focused. I need to get more help from other people. I got to be more humble. But please, don't beat me up. Jesus will protect you. Don't do that to me. You would just hurt me. You know, tell me, Chuck, you need to get your tail in gear. We're going to come by. We're going to do this and that, and we're going to help you overcome Satan in your life. I've got to re-engage my dream. You know, that 23-year-old kid, he had a dream. Part of it was he wanted to get out of Joliet, Illinois. He's, I'm getting out of this place. It's death here. The water tastes funny because we got all these chemical plants. I'm getting out of here. I've got to re-engage my dream. I don't want to relive the glory days. I want the glory days to be now in the promised land. And so I've got to find a way to believe that the Lord is going to help me to prevail in the end, that I will prevail. And I do believe that. I do believe the Lord will help me prevail. But I also have to face the realities of all the good things I've done 
and all of my shortcomings at the same time. Looking forward, what's my legacy ultimately going to be? Well, you know what? Carol and I talked about it yesterday. We're not going to be here. So that's our legacy. David and Danielle, that's our legacy. You all are part of our legacy. This is a shrine service. You all are part of our legacy. Yeah. Oh, this is Carol and I. Uh, after we found the Holy Grail, we got reincarnated, Fountain of Youth. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> David and Danielle, again, part of our legacy. And for me personally, I'm very passionate about helping young African-American men. If you look at any statistic in the United States, people like me that are much younger are on the bottom. And part of my legacy, whatever I can do to make that different, I want to do something different about it. So church, what's our legacy looking forward? What's it going to look like? Paint the picture. What do you look like? What's your vision? What's your dream? We're not all at the same stage. It was great talking to Stewie. Uh, he made a comment the other day, and it was really great. We were talking about getting people's input, and he was saying, hey, man, the campus people, we just want to love God and do some great things. You know what? For campus people, that's about all they really need. Now, people get married, and they've been around for a long time. They got opinion about everything, amen? I'm not going to call no names, but all y'all over 50, y'all got opinions about everything. So it's a little, it's a little more complicated. But we're not all at the same stage, but we have to find a way to work together. Yes, Scott, that's you too, brother. Yesterday, happy birthday. Amen. You're over 50 now. You're in that group. We've got to find a way to work together collectively to build a strong church. Amen. And we've got to give each other the grace we need to be who we are without accusing one another or being down on one another because we're different. We have to recognize that our differences is what make us strong and awesome in Christ. So church, I want to call you to some decisions. Go with God. Test ourselves. Let's see if we're in the faith. If you're wandering in the wilderness right now, amen, call me up. We'll wander together. Those times are just not fun. But you got to make some decisions about what you're going to do differently. Get a dream. Restore it. Be decisive and focused. Talk to God. Think about what it is that you need. You know, as we prepare for communion... It's a great time to reflect. You know, there have been times in my life where I took communion and honestly, I was on top of the world. And when you have those moments when you're on top of the world, enjoy them. Remember, we're all sinners who fall short of the glory of God. But there are other brothers and sisters around you who need your top of the world faith to get them through their bottom of the valley despair. You with me? On the flip side, if you're in the bottom of the valley you got to be willing to let other people kind of help you out, and you got to remember the blood of Jesus does cover your sins and that you're still part of a great family. And if you're in the middle, you got to hold the top and the bottom together to keep us whole. So 1 Corinthians 11 verse 28 says we ought to examine ourselves before we take communion. So as we get ready to take communion, I want to encourage you, examine your heart, top of the world, middle, bottom, Praise the Lord, the blood of Jesus covers us, and we have an opportunity for salvation. As a church collectively looking back, we are way stronger together than we are individually. Let's be unified. Let's love each other. 
No discrimination against people over 6'8". Over that will only be newbie. You got to love newbie, even though he's tall and he looks down at you. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. One day, brothers and sisters, we'll all be in the New Jerusalem together. I really appreciate you listening to me this morning. Let's go to the Father with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for my spiritual family. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the Israelites and what they went through. Thank you. We have an opportunity to look back on our lives collectively and draw from one another's strength. Thank you for the times we can look back individually and also uh, draw from our strength and learn the lessons. Father, give us the faith we need to have the power in our lives. Help us to look at our hearts and our minds, make the decisions we need to make. Give us the power and the courage and the faith we need to walk in them. Please forgive our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.